again, everybody. Welcome to Dead Cat. Tom here with Eric. We've got Alex Heath here from The Verge. Alex is the uh, social media reporting savant. Uh, Wunderkind? Can we say Wunderkind? You're still young enough to be Wunderkind. Uh, sure, sure. Let's go with that. Okay. Uh, but former colleague of mine at The Information, we used to be uh, shit kickers together on the social media beat. You, you scooped that uh, Facebook was going to change its name. We talked about that on this podcast at one point. Yeah. And I enjoyed that conversation. Uh, we hadn't talked actually about Heath in a while, so we're glad to we're glad to bring you on to to correct that. But um, uh, but I, I I do as excited as I am to have Alex on. We have to temper some of that enthusiasm with the fact that we are here today to memorialize something that we all lost last week. Um, something that was part of all of our lives. Meta, nay Facebook, died last week. Um, wow, R.I.P. Yeah, the cause of death, Tim Cook. And you know what? Just turned 18, just turned legal and dead. Wow. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Not even a full life uh, as much as you can get these days. It's tragic, Uh, honestly. Where's the obit? Yeah. The company only brought in $33 billion in revenue last quarter, which is frankly (sighs) pathetic. That's super. Yeah. That's their dad. So... Uh, but let's uh, let's acknowledge the fact that its stock did drop twenty something percent uh, over the last couple. It was of like twenty five percent in the last five. Twenty five percent. So setting so a record that they previously set themselves in twenty eighteen. Right. Yeah. The value itself, what three hundred billion of market cap, or I mean, it's I think it was huge. closer to two twenty ish. But yeah, okay. it was it was the record from their drop in twenty eighteen. Right. Right. So beating their own record. So what 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 to make of this, Alex? I mean, mm. it's there's a lot to there's a lot to digest here, uh, and you know the impact that it had, the sort of blast radius, uh, mm. both affected and didn't affect a lot of its competitors. But what is like your your high level takeaway as to why things seem so extreme uh, mm. in their report? Like, what was the most troubling thing to investors that caused them to panic in the way they did? I mean, there were a few things. I think. Um Probably the thing that sent the market down the most was the forecast being lower than expected because the markets always are about the future, not the past. Um, But it's the Apple stuff you talked about. Um, Tim Cook just laying down absolute vengeance upon the... in, in the ad world. Um, Did they give a specific number on how much the Apple change affected them they said they were going to lose 10 billion this year is their rough estimate from the apple change and then they also said they were going to spend 10 billion on meta right that's been confused they have oh, they're going to spend more than that they spent that last year but it's going to okay. keep going up right so they spent more in q4 on metaverse than all arvr startups raised combined last year so yeah it's kind of like a bet the farm thing so on one side investors see this bet the farm increasing r&d spend that at a massive loss that doesn't look like it's going to reverse course anytime soon. Um, and then they see an ad business that is under threat uh, from Apple regulators. And then they see a slowing user base. This was the first time that the Blue App reported sequential global DAU decline uh, in its history. So the uh, the unending growth narrative finally came to a halt. And we know that a lot of that. It's, so the reporting on this has actually been a little incorrect. A lot of it was like, and I even mm-hmm. flicked at this in mind, so I'm partly to blame. Is like When you say reporting, of, you mean like the media, not like analysts. I mean, mean us, the media, yes. Okay. Name names, Alex. Uh, no, well, what did we get wrong first? Just, just in the, well, in so, so I, this is, I also, I think got the tone of this wrong in my, in my earnings coverage, but the, so 
if you actually pay attention to what the CFO of Meta said, the reason they lost users was because of higher than expected data prices in India. But uh, there's a narrative that you know it's about losing the teens, right? The teens are on Fortnite, they're on Roblox, they're on TikTok, and TikTok is the reason for all this. Uh, when in reality, they told investors um, it had some, it was some very out there like pricing thing in India. So like it just you shows can, how you can see the DAU's breakdown. I'm literally looking at the yeah. chart now. So they and, lost you know, in US North and America. Canada went f- right. I, I know yeah. you know this. Yeah, 196 million to 195. I mean, I can just imagine. Being at the company, you know, they, they missed their DAU by 1 million, right? So they must, there, there must be some engineer that was like frantically trying to, to get this to not be a yeah. down story. I so mean, there's not the, one engineer, many, many engineers, like just hacking whatever they can to try right, to figure just out how send to send enough juice. push alerts to keep it right. flat. Well, there's a, so it's easier to fake MAU. So that's very easy to do with some push alerts and like they they have a whole playbook for this. Like at the end of every quarter, if they feel like they're not going to meet their targets, it's like all hands on deck. Let's get those MAUs up. DAU is a lot harder to fake, right? Because that's that's like consistent engagement, and that's also yeah. like the that's the core health of the platform is DAU. And so basically, they couldn't eke out an extra million in India because of data plan pricing, and so therefore this one million loss in North America led to a global decline for the first time. Which which is like a number that isn't that big of a deal, but to investors, it's like this company has never not grown, so that's that's a problem, right? Well, now we have Robinhood's decreasing. We've got Facebook. All these alleged growth stocks are showing showing weakness. Well, the other apps are still growing in in the in the Meta family, right? Barely, I mean, barely. In- no, like the the MAU for Instagram and WhatsApp was up like by uh, I think around a hundred million, which is a lot, mm-hmm. but like. On their scale, not what they're used to, but the DAU barely moved. I think like Instagram and WhatsApp are kind of also at a stasis. Right, right. So like collectively, it's just hard to for analysts or, or investors to keep with the same story that they have been, which is that you yeah. know even if the growth of the blue app is going to be you know on decline um, or flat, uh, you can you can look to these other apps and say like, well, you know, thank God we still have Instagram or thank God we still have you know WhatsApp. Like that's right. just that train is just slowing down. They just don't have that anymore. And I mean, look, none of this is all that surprising. I mean, like I remember writing about this like three years ago at the information that this that this day was coming. So I mean, obviously you can only do so. So much. you called it. You're saying you had a you had a. Long, I wish I could say uh, that was impressive. You had a long put. You had a long put on this week, right? And you just made a lot of money. I made a, I made a huge amount of money, and, and I don't exactly have to why reporters it. are always negative. Sometimes, eventually, something bad right. will happen, and you can be vindicated. Right. We yeah. every reporter has a short position. The the whole video explanation, honestly, has been the most mystifying mm-hmm. to me. Everybody's mm-hmm. trying to reinterpret it. So mm-hmm. Zuckerberg gives this speech right to employees, saying they're going to focus on video. Is, right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, he what? said that on the earnings call too. Yeah. Okay. So what's what's the deal? Is it just like TikTok? Uh, or? Yeah. I mean, like, video is more engaging. Uh, I think it's also a generational thing. Like, I think young people, instead of like taking a photo of something or like a selfie, it's almost like a quick video pan of their face. Like, I just noticed this in my feeds, and like, uh, like younger people don't really take photos as much. And yeah, TikTok as a format is now ubiquitous. It's like stories. It's the new stories. And, you know, even snap. I'm constantly deleting and undeleting. 
really? TikTok. Oh, so they need ephemeral TikTok. See, they're just going <laughs> to merge the two formats. No, I, I mean, I delete the app because it's Yeah, so I was about to say, it's more serious yeah, than that. Yeah. Oh, it's a lot no, more cumbersome. Uh, well, that's because you don't want Chinese spyware, right? Well, the other thing about Chinese spyware, they they ask for my contacts like every other day. And I'm constantly- So does every app. To, it, it should be against Apple's rules. Like- so if I accidentally you don't have to give them. Say, yeah, but it but it just like pops up at unexpected times, and there's no like double confirmation. It just like a misclick away from handing the Chinese government essentially. So you want you want to are you sure before you send it to the Chinese government? I just think if you ask somebody something three times about highly sensitive information and you say no, Apple should Eric, are, I mean, are you really just saying your address book is super lucrative? I feel like that's the, that's the well, flex hidden in know, this comment. I just like the fact that you think the Chinese don't already have it. I know. Well, it's, it's the day where the wall street journal, you know, said that it got hacked and it seems like it's probably the Chinese government. There is a degree to which like we're all just hacked all the time. Some of us are just finding out about it, but I would at least like, I don't know. I, yeah, I think Apple is a good steward of my iPhone and this is just a, request I, that I, I want to get to the uh, to the push alert things in a second when we talk about snap because i have a lot of thoughts about that but um but yeah i mean do you in reels right that's the tiktok competitor uh you know push through instagram and mm-hmm. they're trying to spin a pretty positive story about that which in the past mm-hmm. you know like reading yours and other stories it sounds like reels was kind of a fiasco but maybe they've turned mm-hmm. it around a bit like the, it's it's actually getting some traction in the way they need it to so facebook's playbook anytime there's a new competitor is like we copy the format and we don't monetize it because we don't want people to be turned off by ads to start. We want them hooked on the experience and we fine tune and kind of like needle the experiment experience with all the engagement numbers we have to the degree that no other competitor does to make it a little bit better. And when, then we like also pay creators to try to get a flywheel going, they did this with stories. They're doing it again with reels, but it's early and they're not monetizing reels. So like all the attention is shifting to reels, but they're not putting out is this happened with stories. It, it was the same thing. It was like, I think even around the 2018 drop was like a story narrative of like stories were under monetized and they mm-hmm. just like eventually shoved ads in that thing. So like, I'm not, this kind of just reminds me of 2018. Like they have these like kind of huge drops when they like have a rough, uh, they're at a rough juncture, I guess, as a company. You're optimistic though. I mean, when I go to the Instagram version of TikTok, is that also called reels? What's that one called? That- that's reels. that's reels. That's oh, that is reels. That's so reels. it's not. Yeah, it's, on it's, it's it's on. Instagram. It's not good. It's not. Good. It's terrible. It's embarrassing. It's like yeah. knockoff. It literally don't feels have like you're getting AI. like a knockoff version. Yeah, you know, it's, like we make so fun the of algorithm, like Chinese yeah. things on like you know some Alibaba store, but like the reels is like the version of that of TikTok, where like TikTok's giving me like the real shit, and reels is the real terrible. shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Getting that real, yeah, no, it's uh, reels is not great. They don't have good algorithms um, relative to TikTok. They haven't. So the reason is like Facebook was was they designed like Facebook came up in the era of like algorithms designed based off of like the user telling it what it wants, and TikTok invented a new concept of like the algorithm telling you what it thinks you want. And without like you having to input, like when you open TikTok, you don't need to like follow things. You don't need to like a bunch of things, follow a bunch of pages. That's how Facebook built profiles of us back in the day. And that's how their algorithms are trained. So they're having to like kind of unlearn the way they train a feed. And it's hard to do at a company that size where the people who built the stuff from 10 years ago are still in charge. And so, and they can't buy 
you know, companies really to help them with this stuff. So it's going to be a problem for them. And that's something they called out was like, it's almost, I think they're worried that the narrative has gotten so ahead on the metaverse stuff and the spend that they've highlighted has gotten. (laughs) I mean, I I have one, I have one person to blame on that. I mean, (laughs) no, 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 I, no, I, it's their fault totally. But if you look, pay attention to earnings, like they highlight, uh, we actually expect spend to be higher in the family of apps segment in terms of like our, our CapEx than, than, um, the rest of the company. So they're actually trying to like point people back at like, Hey, we know there's a problem in the core business. We're actually going to spend more there. Can we all call it Facebook again? I, I feel like the media should have just resisted calling it meta. Like, it's just like, I hear this and I'm so fascinated by this viewpoint. Like, so if, um, yeah, like it's almost like, you know, a company says they have these earnings, but we should resist it. We should say they actually, like, what do you mean? What? Like th- this is like accept reality. I'm not saying like, make up numbers. I'm just saying as long as your core product is still one thing, it's just like I mean everybody, every consumer still knows Alphabet is Google. Like, but that's just because the alphabet, the alphabet rebrand was about like accounting. It wasn't about and like Larry and Sergey also being able to like disappear into the sunset. It wasn't. It wasn't like an actual pivot for the company. I mean, it's definitely a brand thing. Like I'm not. I I totally get that. But like. Facebook is actually the least important asset even in the family of apps in terms of like their strategic growth. Like Insta- they should be called Instagram. If you want to call it based on what it is, it, the whole company should be called Instagram. Facebook, even, Blue App still makes the most, generates it the makes, most revenue. Well, profit, actually, or? I've seen, they don't, they don't break that out, but there's been some reporting that suggests that uh, they're already like approaching parity. And I wouldn't be surprised if Instagram makes more hmm. in the near term. So yeah, if you want to call it by what it is, we should call it the Instagram company. Do you but, think... There's been, this is anecdotal, but I feel like I post less on Instagram just right now, just because even though I'm living life and doing things and the pandemic's not, it's just like, I'm not out as much as pre pandemic. Mm. So it's just like, there isn't the same lifestyle to post and that a true end of the pandemic would be helpful for Instagram on the posting Mm. side, less on the consumption side. I don't know. That's, that's an interesting point because, um, Evan Spiegel on Snap's earnings said that they've noticed that stories posting has stayed down throughout the whole pandemic and they expected it to rebound by now with like a lot of lockdowns easing up, especially for young people. Young people are generally, you know, out more like Snap's user base. So yeah, that is an interesting behavior. I think people are really embracing the TikTok format and kind of like stories aren't as cool anymore. And that's the story of social media is like there's a format that's cool for a while until there's I love covering social media because it's so generational. Like it changes based on kind of the behaviors and like desires of like the next generation. And so Snap was like Gen Z or whatever, and now there's another generation. What is the next generation called? After it's Gen Z? Alpha. I, I think I think it's a millennial it really? Gen Z. Yeah, it's stupid. It's, it's it's actually kind of terrifying if you think about the implications of starting again at Alpha. They're um, the Alpha generation. That no. my kid is an Alpha. This is, is Gen <laughs> Alpha. So why is it that Snap seems to have navigated this much better? I mean, you know, they, I mean, I know that they have adopted a TikTok-like, you know, section of the app that, you know, they basically have paid people to be there. Yeah. But, you know, why has that not been as catastrophic for them as it seems to be for for Facebook? Before you even answer answer that, but the set up also the drama on Snap, because I think part of what's (laughs) fun about this story is just like, just as Facebook was tanking Snap, 
was going wild in the aftermarket. So like why <laughs> the swings are like part of what's so crazy about this. These are so, meme stocks now. I mean, they're it, like ba- basically like is shit that coins or meme stocks. Like, I, I mean, mean I, literally on the last episode, I was like, oh, everything's indexed. Index funds are going to kill everything. <sighs> and then literally the next week, we just find out that actually like a FANG stock, Facebook can swing down 25% in five days. It's like totally well, disproves fangs, that notion. No, the FANG stocks do because they're indexed, but Snap swings crazily because it's too small. Like it it went up 60 something percent or 50 to 60% in, uh, in after hours and is up way. I saw Nikita Beer who sold an, an app to Facebook, their last social media acquisition they were allowed to do before antitrust. And he was like, he's going to buy a private jet off his snap calls that he ordered like right before markets um, closed uh, for earnings. There there was a wild swing. And to Tom's question, like I think people, this is the same. I remember when everyone was like, stories are going to kill Snapchat. Like Snapchat is doomed because Instagram is adding stories and like snap has continued to add more users and grow faster than any other public social media company since then. Well, but it, there was a period where it seemed very accurate. I mean, that, you know, but when, that's because of the redesign. We were conflating right. like we were confl- and I mean, you know this Tom, like everyone was like conflating the the problems with Android, the problems with international sure. growth and the redesign with stories, which is like right. not even the main reason people use Snap. Like Snap is a private chat. <laughs> it's a private messaging, which is always funny that it's like, you know, now become a very successful advertising medium because obviously messaging yeah. is like terrible to monetize. And to be perfectly yeah. honest, I'm still not quite sure exactly like what is the full like offering of advertisements these days on Snap when it's, it's a lot co- of AR ads they're pushing into where it's super early because it's a new format, but they're seeing like insane ROIs on those limited spend they have there. It's like like the numbers are pretty nuts on like try on stuff actually and like how it affects cust- customer sentiment. Right. But they're doing a lot. All the ads are in Discover. The shitty in Discover, Discover, right? Which is the yeah. thing that people don't even really talk that much about. And yeah, I, I mean, there's a great story probably still to be written on like who exactly is that Discover audience and like what is its cultural impact. And- it's millions and millions of like people that are younger than us i mean it's they have like hbo shows in there now like it's it's pretty wild i never hear anyone talking about them this is my biggest this is my biggest and i've heard this on other episodes of this show we as reporters have got to stop saying i've never heard someone has used this therefore it must be a joke like like i've never said it's a joke i just listen listen, elite culture dominates like we all talk about everything on hbo like of course yeah, no, but like fuck I mean, elite culture. Like, I, I, I but, think, I, but like, TikTok have, is widely popular. Right, I think Reporters that's the counter to that argument. TikTok. Is like TikTok so is very clearly penetrated right. some some section of what we describe Absolutely. as mainstream culture. And Absolutely. I, I'm not saying there's anything up with it. I just don't understand. Like, what is the broader cultural penetration? You want of, us to be talking about like Young Sheldon or like what is the biggest <laughs> like fucking regular person tv show in the world right now this is us uh, and i live with someone who watches that so is it good or no it's terrible it's a bad show see all my all my elite snobbery is justified by the poor quality of the television that the mass is getting far afield here though (laughs) it's poor to you so 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 discover is 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 there is there a money maker is what you're saying uh well and ads and stories and ads and spotlight and discover yes which is the The format yeah it's yeah. been like that anyway, for a couple of years. It's but, been but, that way. Oh, yeah. But let, let, let's talk about TikTok and 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 that aspect of it. Like, why has the generational shift towards TikTok not been that devastating for them? Because that's not 
so like TikTok is entertainment. It's passive. Like I'm on the toilet and I need to like look at some funny videos. Snap is actually like an iMessage replacement. It's like a it's a communication right. medium that is way more sticky. There's built-in network effects that are very difficult to undo. It's why Zuck offered one of his like you know um, fuck you money multiples for Snap multiple times to try to like buy the company because once you hit escape velocity on these kind of social networks that are built around day-to-day interaction, it's very hard to unwind those. You have to like actually like really destroy the product over time. And so that's their durability is that like that chat stuff. And also on the ad side, which like the revenue piece mm-hmm. snaps way earlier in their, right. in their advertising journey. They maybe have a few hundred thousand advertisers. Max Facebook has over 10 million. They have this Facebook invented this long tail of like small D to C brand advertisers. Mm-hmm. Snaps are mostly big brands, still companies that can navigate like ad targeting problems. And so they weren't hurt as bad because like the people who are hurt are like the, you know, mom and pop, like DDC brand that like used to adjust their ad spend on Facebook like every hour to like reach the exact mom they're trying to reach in Des Moines. You know, like that that's what got hurt by Apple, not like Coca-Cola. Right. Moms in Des Moines. But what I don't um, what I find kind of disingenuous on on Snap's part, and I did not listen to the earnings calls. I, I do not cover this company anymore, but I saw their, their head of Rev, uh, 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 Jeremy Gorman, uh, who was asked reasonably by, you know, uh, by analysts, why was it that Snap was not hurt as badly by the Apple privacy changes as Facebook? And the response was something like, well, you know, we've optimized for privacy focused advertising. It's like, no, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's not true at all. They just are earlier in their cycle and have a slightly different, you know, cohort of advertisers that are not as yes, they're not as re- reliant on tracking in order to prove, you know, value for their advertisement, and they're just earlier in their stage. Like there's more to that bucket that can be filled, whereas Facebook yeah. is probably maxed out, and they have to just constantly prove to advertisers, yes, keep spending at these, you know, humongous amounts because that's valuable to you. Whereas Snap, there's just it's just an easier argument to sell without the data to back it up. Is Absolutely. That, okay. I okay. think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about sort of the Apple change? I mean, obviously mm. we've been touching on it, but that mm-hmm. that drove a lot of the, uh, the Facebook drop. Yeah. And there's been a sort of narrative on Twitter. I think Matt Stoller, you know, sort of anti-monopolist guy. Google pays Apple a bunch of money to appear in uh, Apple search. And so Apple likes Google in a way that they don't like Facebook. And therefore... They're tilting the change to help uh, Google and hurt Facebook. I mean, that's sort of, uh, I don't think there's reporting on that necessarily, but I don't know. What do you take of that sort of line of argument and how plausible or implausible is it? There's no evidence that this backroom search deal where, you know, Google pays Apple on the order of $10 billion a year, which is- Does um, Google zero- pay more based on- does we don't it know. scale so up? The de- no, we, we don't know. So the details of the deal have never been publicly acknowledged by the two companies. Details of service and litigation, I think the Epic Games trial. So, you know, when one fang is paying the other, you know, on the order of $10 billion a year secretly and neither will discuss it, that's probably a good sign that there's something weird going on. And it's also like... 10 billion to Apple in the grand scheme of things is nothing right, but that's like free money essentially. That's like a hundred percent margin. So that actually flows down to their profit margin in a really powerful way. And if that were to disappear, it would definitely impact earnings. So this is a meaningful relationship these two companies have built over this like basically when you open Safari, Google's the people just forgot that like because it's been this way forever since Steve Jobs, like it's Google when you search in Safari, right? 
And so, yeah, Meta CFO Dave Weiner on the earnings call made a pretty unusual comment. I don't usually see like a company this large, their CFO, like directly accusing their two largest distribution providers of colluding on an earnings call. But that's basically what he did. And he said, look, like the way Apple has rolled out this app tracking stuff, which Tom, you and I covered at the information and has like disrupted a lot of things, um, not just meta, but he's, but they were like the way it applies just to apps and not browsers where it blocks tracking between apps, but not like in a browser necessarily. And also like favors first party data. So Google has more first party data than any other company on earth, arguably sure seems to preference Google. And you could actually see a divergence in like Google's earnings relative to all the app based advertising businesses. And Google had a monster quarter in e-commerce and retail. Meta had a terrible quarter in e-commerce and retail. And those are the two ones that rely the most on very granular, like D2C brand type targeting. And if this preference is first party data, it incentivizes companies to basically merge with each other, right? It could have impacts. That, that's true. That's, a, that's a downstream effect. Well. But I think more close to the Google issue is that there's a there's a reporting and measurement issue here where Apple broke the ability to see real time how these ads were performing in an app. So like Meta's was showing people during Christmas, like you used to like a lot of brands would adjust their spend in the middle of the day during like the holidays because it's a very like big time and they're getting a lot of new customers. They had like a multi-day delay in like reporting. Whereas Google still has perfect data, perfect insight, real-time reporting. And so of course all that spend is going to shift into search. And so the CFO is basically saying, he said, as long as this policy exists, this default agreement that they've worked out where they're paying each other, um, Apple has no incentive to to apply this philosophy of tracking fairly in their mind and fairly to them is like tracking is not just like tracking between an app. It's like if a company builds a profile on you without your explicit like consent or really knowledge of what that profile is, that's like against the ethos of what Apple says it supports. And so Google has that they have the, probably the best profiles on cause they know our intent, right? With right. search, it's just a different, so that was Meta's argument. I think it's an interesting argument. There's absolutely no evidence to support that the reason Apple and Google did this is to fuck with Meta. Do you, do you, th- do you in your heart I mean, of hearts believe that Apple just cares about privacy and is doing these things on a pure mm. what's best for privacy. I think there's I think Apple is so big that there are factions of Apple that view this differently. I think it's true that like in the Tim Cook world they do actually have a pretty high-minded view of this. It's also like a very smart brand positioning cuz like all of other big techs getting pushed towards like abusing privacy, so it's very smart to position yourself as like the you know, we're in you're in control brand. But there are other parts of the company that or feel differently. And I think like the rollout of this app thing was a transparency tracking thing was a perfect example of like, I bet the app store team didn't necessarily know that the product team was going to roll it out this way. And if they had, they would have said, hold on, this is going to like fuck with our a major like portion of our developers who rely on this kind of targeting for app install ads. So I do think Apple just like is too big to necessarily like have a defined view of it. But there's a lot of like self-serving in this positioning. And like Tim Cook absolutely hates Mark Zuckerberg, wants to destroy Meta, wishes that Facebook was never on the App Store, but Why can't does he get hate them Mark? off. Because I think they felt like the bad PR that Facebook has gone through kind of had bled to them a little bit. I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but like since they're the phone that it, you get these apps on, they just don't want to be associated with like hmm a potential like 
uh, company helping Russia win an election or something like that. And I also think it's about what's coming next, which is headsets and this like AR VR war. And I do think Meta v Apple will be probably the most interesting like tech business story of the next like ten years. And so they're mad about I, Tim Cook is mad about something that's not going to happen for like ten to fifteen years at the earliest. No, no, like this headset. I mean, Apple's headsets hitting very soon, hitting maybe this year. At least they might announce it by the end of this year. And but that headset next is going to cost a fortune. It's not going to. be I reported that. they were looking at like a three thousand dollar price point. It's a talent war right now. So they're trying to hire the same people to work on the same problems like Meta and Apple. And if you can make the other company like sound and look so bad and like at stock tank so that like when you're at a cocktail party, you'd rather say you work at Apple than Meta on AR. They need to bring back the uh, Eric Schmidt, Steve Jobs days. I mean, collusion <laughs> is much better for business than competition. It seems like they're already, I mean, Apple and Google have this so weird symbiotic relationship in so many ways. Like Google Cloud is the hosting provider for iCloud backups. <laughs> You're like, listen, Eric, they are still colluding. We just don't know about it for another <laughs> decade. Yeah. Google is just probably the most like incredible business that's ever been built because um, I, I mean, they can even just like when they're doing deals with OEMs, they can be like, we'll give you a small percentage of search revenue through your devices. And that's just like, you can't, no other company has that leverage or that right. ability to give stuff like that for partnerships. And I just, yeah, I mean, unless Google, unless it gets broken up, Google is like going to keep running the world indefinitely because they just have all the data. But Facebook saw this coming a long time ago, this idea that they were always going to be, you know, in a weaker position from an ad perspective because they don't have search. Mm -hmm. And you remember mm -hmm. all the times a couple of years ago, they were trying to build search functionality yeah. into yeah. like the Facebook search bar, which, uh, you and know, that failed. was a failure. Yeah. Over and over again, but they knew that there's something inherently more valuable to being the service that takes you to the thing that you want to, you know, that you want to learn more about, uh, like mm -hmm. the lower intent or the higher intent lower down the funnel, rather mm -hmm. than just like, you know, obviously there's huge value and importance to your social life and, and you know, your information ecosystem, but it's still way, way, way less important than literally your like, you know, knowledge just yeah. the entirety of your brain. Yeah, which is what, I mean, Google is just a reflection of your brain. It's the most brilliant ad product ever invented. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think the Apple v. Meta thing is real. I think it's only going to get worse from here because Meta has this strategic advantage that as long as the Wall Street allows them to do this, like Mark is kind of in a Bezos-type mindset of like your margin is my opportunity with Apple. So um, he's intentionally pricing their hardware like below costs like they're losing money um so that um uh, you know apple won't do that they can't do that for their business model and their margins and so like apple will have the high end maybe and they'll be the android and so it's it's actually a, a pretty smart strategy against apple but one that won't really be valuable for at least 10 years no right? no 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 vr will be much more, so like yeah, but no, in terms of being like impactful for its business, I mean, sure, you, you can ship a couple units, but VR, based on everything I read and hear, I think will be hitting console level. It already sold more than the Xbox last year, the Quest. I think the totality of VR will be selling console level, like global shipments in the next three ish years and probably approaching PC within five, I think is like the general consensus. So that's, you're talking tens but of millions. But people have to use VR regularly for it to be valuable, right? I mean, they don't want to, they will, they, they can't just make the money off hardware sales. You need, you know, real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we sort like of talked the, about this in the Phil Libin interview, um, right? where he was just like, he buys them all and puts them in, 
a closet. They all suck right now. Yeah. But like what's coming is the mixed reality idea where it's like pass through video. And so VR sucks because it's isolating and the screens aren't very good and it's bulky and it doesn't feel good on your face and there's not good audio. All that's changing. Like Apple. Did, didn't you has, ask Keanu Reeves about this? He was very skeptical, I thought. Oh, did I? I asked He clowned on me about NFTs. And so like when you think about the concept of digital scarcity and things that are, you know, they can't be copied. That are easily reproduced. <laughs> well, but they're not the same, right? It's not a fake version of you. I wonder what our, do we get a cut of that? Oh no, I don't, actually I don't think we're in them. They probably did other people. You have to take that up with the studio. I don't yeah. know. Man, I missed all of this. Oh yeah, you didn't see this, Tom? No. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, he was like, can <laughs> Facebook didn't not- realize it was you, right? But he was yeah. like, you were sort of the mystery man on the other side of it. Uh, yeah. In a um, viral moment he had. Yeah, he was like, um, you know, can the metaverse not be owned by Facebook? That's an old idea. Like that goes way, way back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I asked him about NFTs and he just like let out this hyena like laugh. <laughs> it was like. But, but, but my point is you're. You're a bit of a true true believer on on the VR stuff. Or, I mean, you're talking. Uh, to people. I you're see where the hardware's or- going. I mean, I see where the hardware and software's going, and I think the the trend of tech is that more immersive, um, engaging technology always wins, and that's what these headsets are going to be doing soon. So, like, who is not going to m- maybe want to try IMAX on their face, like? for like a really cool video game with like spatial audio and like right. maybe a social yeah. that's coming in the next year to two years. Cause like meta's got their own version of that. That'll be high end. So that tech will start high end. The price will come down over the next few years. And then the air glasses will hit in about probably five to eight, the V ones of those. And that's like more for outside. These headsets are all inside, but they're, they're going to be like a PC companion slash replacement uh, in terms of like the quality very soon. Explain to me what the five years from now AR experience is going to be like. We'll have like these headsets in our homes that we want to use for like either Zooms or maybe like working because there's already like pretty robust hand tracking and keyboard stuff. And like um, there'll be armbands. Meta's got one they're working on that like can do EMG, like you read your kind of muscle signals to have like phantom limbs for like typing without even really moving. Uh-huh. That's all, that's all coming. That's not okay, like work fake. shit. Okay. Keep yeah. Going. Work shit. I mean, that's we do how a lot all this of work. starts. This is what I'm always saying on this show to argue for the metaverse, like replacing zoom and browsing yeah. is huge. Like that's, it's huge. And also day. like better gaming. Like when I interviewed Zuck last year, I mean, he made the point that like they're like people still spend on average four to six hours a day watching television screens in their homes. And those are like these like 2D pl- panels way up on a wall. Listen, my TV very big. immersive. Like, uh, yeah, see. but like, is it as big as dual 8K displays on your face with spatial <laughs> audio? Right. Like that that's the thing. Like when you when you try the, the stuff with eye tracking, which like makes it so that the it's not as hot and like it renders way cleaner and you don't get as sick. Like this tech's already been <laughs> not as we sick. Just haven't okay, s- that's. But my, my, yeah, I mean, I probably sound ridiculous. I just like based no, on like where I see, I know everyone who comes on here is like VR is a joke, but like the tech is getting very good and we just haven't seen a mass consumer version of it yet, but it's coming very but soon. What about but your point argument- is that the mass consumer adoption will happen when the, the tech meets it, which you think is going to happen in imminently, like in the next Apple year or V1, two. Yeah, Apple V1 will be probably shipped by next year, announced this year. And then Meta's doing a tie-in Cambria headset this year as well. But half, half your beat is almost the counter argument to this. Like 
Snap, Facebook, like they're all like second screen apps. Like part of the beauty of television is that you can do something else. You can look over at your partner or significant yeah. other. You can like be you on can your do that phone. in these headsets though. Like that's the idea is like you could do it with anyone in the world. Like you like your avatar could pop in. You're just looking over at your avatar. The second somehow screen is basically over. in in the device itself. Well, instead of. I get the Tom. I get the cynicism, but it is better than like me texting you next to me. Like you, would, I would feel like you're more next to me if it was an avatar than like. I guess. Right? I mean, like, if you're still putting on a device, and so you're already making a commitment beyond the sort of like passive, you know moment of like oh let me see what alex is up to let me text him versus like yeah, yeah. Let me put on the fucking headset right it's like let I'll me send him a notice let I me see his ugly ass avatar because it's like oh this is gonna be a long commitment whereas like the phone well that's is getting just fixed like, like everything you all just described the process of getting on the headset it being cumbersome phones used to suck like trying to right. navigate typing on a phone sucked like before the iPhone. But we just got I'm used just saying, to it. The technology didn't change all that much. We just decided that it's it like reasonable What are you talking to, about? Multi-touch, touchscreen keyboards, like dictation. Like we have so many more ways of texting now than we did 10 years ago. Like, I mean, AirPods where we can just say things to people over text. Like I'm just saying- Are like, you an AirPod guy? You're just walking around on the street dictating? Yeah, all the time. Oh all my. the time. <laughs> I yeah. worry you're so sincere like, on that. Uh yeah, I just I, I like to take the opposite view it's here because everyone like, so in media, in. It def, I definitely blend in and so really, yeah. yeah. I think like everyone in media loves to just like shit on this stuff, and I get it. It's like very goofy right now, but like if you actually study how good the hardware is getting and where the companies are making their bets, like you must think that Tim Cook, Mark Zuckerberg, Evan Spiegel, Satya Nadella, um, whatever the fuck Amazon's doing, like they're all stupid. They all don't like, like they're all making the same bet. Like it's the only right. thing Apple and Meta agree on is that these headsets are important. Uh, to be clear, I like, I believe, I think it's a time timeline question and yeah. you know, you can invest too early, but I, I agree with you mostly. Um, well, given, yeah, let's move off. Let's move off. Let's this. talk about the people. I mean, you guys both, um, have obsessed over Evan Spiegel unhealthily at times. Like what, um, the, uh, I mean, where does he still see himself as like the genius? I mean, he's been sort of humbled. Like he, he had these sort of like, you know, he tried to do spectacles. He's not a big player in this future. I don't know. What's sort of, what's, do you talk? Why do have you, you talked? Alex is closer to this than I am. It's been a couple of years. Yeah, for me I know. It's been a while. For time. But yeah, I've, yeah, I've talked to him. I think, um, but there was a time where the meat, you could say, oh, he's like the next Steve Jobs, and people wouldn't be like, oh, that's crazy. But well, like, I think he was trying to get that image across. Right. But that, he had a no, giant well, Steve Jobs uh, portrait in his, in his office. I, totally. I mean, here, here's the interesting thing about just from the outside. You tell me how wrong I am about this, Alex. Because, again, everything I'm saying is multi multiple years out of date. But what I find so interesting about Snap these days is that as a business, it's never been better, right? They're, they're cash flow positive, something that I did not think was going to happen was a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, they uh, are growing in India which is something that Evan had zero interest in doing a couple of years ago. Every fucking night, I get a push alert from Snap telling me that so-and-so added you know, to their new story, uh, which is something that Evan would have murdered an engineer for, for suggesting that they do on a regular basis. You can turn basis. that off. I have that off, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, I, if I cared more, I would. I just like to be reminded yeah. uh, that yeah. certain people have added to their stories. But, but look, the, the level of push alerts that Snap is doing, Snapchat, whatever, is like 
leagues beyond anything that Evan would have wanted to do. He sold out. Same, that's what you're saying. He gave up on He his... built a business. He built a business. He got two kids. And yeah, he, he has fundamentally had to give up certain aspects of what he expected this company to be uh, in order to build something that is more appealing to, to, to the markets. And I find it you know, good for him. He's built a business. He's built value for people. But this certainly wasn't the company that I thought he wanted to have done uh, back in like 2015. Do you think they were just going to be all like spectacles by now? Like there's just like no snapshot. Out? Well, OK, or, look, or, there's certain things that he had to give up, like, you know, in-app purchases being, the you know, the core business yeah. rather than advertisements. But like they're tracking people as much as anyone else can uh, in order sure. to prove, you know, value with their advertisements. They need to hit their numbers. So they have to do push alerts to like show, you know, DAU increases above 20 percent, you know, year over year. These are all things that like a boring ass Silicon Valley tech company has to do in order to be a successful business. And listen, buddy, we all grow up one day. We all have to get there. But it's uh, it's not the most inspiring thing. Well, he's very, you know, hurt with his billions of dollars. I think like, yeah, the the notification thing you're harping on, I don't really get because the main thing is chat, which requires notifications to tell you if someone has responded to your message. So no, that's what I I'm think. talking about, like just pure up like engagement juicing, which is what like a push alert saying so-and-so asked I still their story. Think- yeah, but you, I they're doing that, it more than they used to. Way, you way can turn more that off though. Like I turned it off. Well, you can turn easily. them off with Facebook too. It doesn't mean that it isn't like a core part of their strategy now, though. Sure, I just like yeah, they're doing things they he did never wanted to do. He didn't know he you know this. He never wanted to be an advertising company. That was like right. something he got kind of pushed into doing because there was no other way at the time. There was no crypto web. They wanted to be thing. like yeah, and um, they're put they're doing this super app strategy. The problem, I think, with them and their perception is that the user base is just so different from anyone who covers them. And so, um, you know, people don't cover them like they do Twitter or Meta or whatever. But, like, I would I would argue that there's still, in terms of, like, hits on the board, there's no other social media company that has invented so many formats and ideas that have been, like, ubiqu- like ubiquitously copied like bitmoji like meta's literally just now getting around to copying that snap they copied with ray-ban um like literally literally everything snap has done except maybe the map thing because that's special to them and like the close friends aspect of it mm-hmm. has been copied and no, so apple like, has that now right i mean it's sort of well they have find my right? right but like if you do snap map it's way different it has a bunch of like extra layers to it and social stuff yeah it's sort of find like and and no look i'm not criticizing evan's foresight and and talent as a product visionary i'm just saying the business that he's ended up with which is a, now a very good one is yeah. pretty much just capitalism Facebook. brings everybody to their heels you know like Look, eventually like you have a, to you have quarterly earnings yeah like sure it's more like facebook but it's also like a better business than twitter and it's younger than twitter and it's like well, yeah. already make i mean <laughs> like at bar. least it's at least it's not twitter like at least like it's growing and um I don't know. The spectacles thing is the thing I'm the most bearish on, honestly. Like, I think he maybe has aspirations to be a software layer and, like, kind of advisor to a hardware company or an OEM on glasses down the road. But you're going to say, is he happy with where they are now? Or he's sort of like the type of person, you know, I need to be a top 10 company at some point, or I'll never. I don't think he thinks in terms of market cap, clearly not in terms of like valuation, because he had multiple chances to sell astronomical valuations. He's very into this AR thing. Again, it's like when I look at Evan, Zuck, Cook, they, who are, I would say, the three maybe most like accomplished people still leading tech companies right now in terms of like their strategy minds. 
you could argue Snap still has a lot to prove, but I think in terms of what we just talked about, what they've invented, they think ahead and they're right a lot of the time. They all agree that like this AR glasses thing is coming and it's going to be huge. And that's where he's spending a lot of his time is on the AR software and on Snap Lab, where I reported they are. Tom, do you remember the drone thing they were going to do? Sure. Uh, they've revived the drone. Drones I think are back. Because, because they're finally making money. They want to like do a bunch of hardware shit. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a watch and multiple glasses and like companion devices. Hmm. And like he's got this hardware strategy that they just do not have the resources to compete at scale with Apple and Meta on. They have good talent. They have creative people, but like they don't, you know, it still has that underdog feel to it as a company. I still, I think he views it as like, we're here to like throw darts at Meta and like be the anti Meta, which in the stock market, they definitely were this week. So, yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely, if, if that's still a core tenet of his, it's been a good week. Yeah. And it's good for recruiting. It's good for like, you know, people recruiting people from meta who are disillusioned and, you know, there's a huge talent war going on for all this AR stuff. So like, it's important to have your brand be like considered the kind of cool underdog, but I don't know. I tried the new spectacles. The, I think you guys talked about, I think you made fun of my demo at one point on the show, Uh but like, and how, uh, you know, positively I wrote about them, but like, it's more just like it's they're not good now like they're not anything normal people are going to wear and that's why they're not selling them to people but like it's very easy to see that this is going to get good and like that they've got the pieces to make it good and like there's like a scan thing where like once the scanning tech gets good like you've got visual search on your face like all this stuff is going to be hitting it's just like not it's early it's early days but it's it's i can see where it's it's more than just like a magic leap come look at our magic box experiment it's like it's actually starting to work in the real world it's just not great yet do you want to spend a minute on pinterest or should we uh should we move on <laughs> what do you what do you think about pinterest tom because you covered you covered pinterest more over the years i've i've dabbled in and out but it looks like they've lost like it reminds me of snap in like the nick bell leaving era like 2018 2017 when every week was like i was hearing that another exec was leaving snap and it seems like that's the case with pinterest right now I, we were talking i was talking about this with eric before we started i'm always a little and i'm guilty of this myself i i do think reporters get a little over excited or maybe be over indexed for executives are leaving company therefore it's in complete turmoil i think sure. we're in a unique time now where people don't really want to work at large companies and certainly not large mm. social media companies and so you know Is pinterest social media whatever though? the fuck they are you know they're they're some sort of amalgam of a silicon valley ad tech company that also has like a social layer to it but mm. yeah they've, they've lost a couple of executives the information reported that i'm sure it mess things up for them but i also think i think they lost like nine that's the thing it's like it's a snap level like clear the bench like what it signals to me whenever i read because there were m a rumors about them with microsoft so that that's more damaging to me than anything because i yes that that, yes that 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 says to me that says because they had a corp dev left like and so like that to me says that a lot of the senior rank and file people a lot of the senior people wanted to sell ben silverman didn't or they couldn't get a good deal done and now they're all leaving and that right. that's actually more than just like a couple execs leaving i mean i think it's like nine at this point sure it's not great yeah i i, I do think it's fair to countenance that with the fact that there are a lot of executives leaving a lot of not particularly inspiring sure. companies these days uh so you know you can you can make of that what you want i think pinterest is an incredible advertising vehicle if you just think about like the core product itself it is very you know corporate or sorry it's very product adjacent and so their ability to make money from it 
is pretty huge. I think the problem that they have is that they're losing users. Uh, and you know, talent. Yeah. And, and good talent. I mean, the, yeah. app, the app doesn't, do you use the app? Uh, no, not the app. I, I use the service from time to time because I've been, uh, you got some remodeling going on. Yeah. That's what I yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the times yeah. that people use it, which is like you dip yeah. in, you dip out. Like that's why it's not so, a great social media. So service. My, my wife is an interior designer. She uses Pinterest all day, every day, like power user. Yeah. She always is like, this app sucks. Like every time she's like, it doesn't work. It just breaks. Like it doesn't make sense the way to navigate it. So that to me says like from someone who knows it really well, that they just probably don't have like good engineering and like, they're not hiring the best people and they mm-hmm. can't build the best product because the stock is tanking and they don't have a business yet. So they're in this like kind of death trap, it seems like. Well, the, the stock is tanking thing is relatively new. I mean, if you look at the yeah, chart over the last year, they actually were a huge winner uh, during so the pandemic. So I mean... It's true, but, you know, better to be that than, than not. And, yeah, yeah. you know, their, their value as a company went up substantially over the course of last year. It's obviously plummeted now. And I, I agree with you. They're in kind of this nether region uh, where even though they got a lift after it turned out their numbers weren't as bad as investors were expecting expecting post meta um they didn't get the snap like bump and, and snap no. is fundamentally i think a better you know it's a better app um and it has yeah. you know a more sustainable future and it doesn't seem like they've evolved that much from a product standpoint so i think they're probably this is so out of my league but like i think they're probably in a stage where they can make a bunch more money overseas you know they, they they're mm. barely monetizing uh, outside yeah. of the U.S. And so like you'll be able to see revenue growth over the the next you know year or two. But like the core question of like, is this app going to grow? Do they have, you know, some sort of a meta play or yeah. something that can, you know, give a clear indication as to the next the next stage? I, I don't I don't see it myself. And I think the fact that they probably came pretty close to selling to to Microsoft, it's hard to get past that. I mean, you could make an argument that Twitter even though the business is doing better now, never really, you know, changed after that whole period in 2017 when they were going to sell to fucking Disney. Yeah. I know, I know Google tried to buy Pinterest too. Um, I think it was before they listed Google has this ritual of like before any hot, like consumer or even really SaaS, but definitely consumer like network effects company goes to public. They have a, you know, we'll give you like above your listing price, like just come to Google anyway. They right. probably have stopped doing that because of antitrust, but yeah. They 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 definitely tried it with Pinterest. So like and it, that Pinterest would have made perfect had, sense, right? Yeah. It's just basically like yeah. a nice little like social layer on top of double click. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's 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 not. I wouldn't be too bullish on them. You know, we just we're always obsessed with Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> on this show. I mean, I, I can tell. I've been trying to think over how to ask. I mean, I want to know what, what you what you think's up with him. Who's sort of in the mix? But I mean, <laughs> I think. You know, when we first got to know, like when I first came to Silicon Valley, like, you know, the sort of Facebook people, there is like an earnest, you know, they love product. They do like Mm -hmm. talking about the future. And so, you know, if you read it, just like knowing their personalities, there's a sense that the sort of meta push is sincere and that they like devices. It's very sincere. And I feel like that's a part of the posture of reporting is like, you know, believing them to some degree on that. Whereas, whereas like, I think a lot of, you know, sort of the, I don't know, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg types, you know, you can just become very focused on the quarterly earnings and then you see everything as a game. Or if you're obsessed with antitrust, you see it as like a, a messaging thing to get away from that. I don't know. Uh, 
that's sort of just a statement of purpose. But I mean, am I right to say that you you take them seriously when they when they seem excited about sort of the product piece of of VR and and sort of the metaverse? Yeah. Yeah, because it's more than just like words. It's like the people who are moving to that division, the fact that it's like 15,000 people, the fact that they spend over 10 billion a year on it, the fact that it's like where Zuck is spending his time, like legitimately. Like, of course I take it seriously. I find reporters who don't take it seriously to be kind of, uh, I'm like, what do you, what is your job? Like, why are you, why are you like just assuming that this is like, like in, like check and make sure, but you're just assuming that this is like a joke because you're cynical about the company. I think there's way too much cynicism about like their motives and I'm not saying their motives are pure by any means, but like, yeah, no, I do take it seriously. I'm like, I'm not a like tech cynicist either. Like I, I think tech is cool. I think it can be misused, but I think it's like also very cool. It's why I got into this job is cause I'm a nerd and like, but I also like do the, like, you know, Facebook, disbanded its civic integrity team and here's why type story. Like right. I do that. But like I I do take this seriously and I think I think it's important that people do it. I mean like they may decide to give up, but I think it's kind of like no going back at this point is the vibe that I get. Like this is like I was talking to someone in on the in the glasses, you know, division and like they're like this is eye of Sauron like Zuck on us. Like this is like <laughs> This is like they're, it's uh, the most intense. This person had worked in Silicon Valley at a bunch of big tech companies for a long time. And it was like, this is the most intense founder involvement in any like project I've ever seen. I mean, I got to take that seriously. The dude is like one of the most powerful people in the world. So um, I don't know. I don't know. What do you it guys does, think? It you feels think like I'm, the media. I'm, you think I'm I mean, soft? What? You think I'm, I'm soft? No, I'm not calling you soft. I do. I mean, I think part of this show is like we think the reporters got like too negative. I mean, there is like such a drumbeat. There's just such a drumbeat against, you know, it feels like the media does want to dislodge like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, like, I guess the negativity, my my thing is like, I think it gets old. I think people are sick of the same old like stories of like, we found this Russia, you know, thing or the Macedonia teens on, I'm not saying those stories aren't important, like they should keep happening, but I think the overall tenor of the coverage, yeah, is like just de facto cynical, de facto, this is a joke. Like all the headlines this week are like, this is the end of Facebook. And like, I don't know. I just don't know if readers, like, I think there's a subset of readers who definitely love that. And you're obviously playing to that, but I are like, are you, I try to not think about like just one audience. I'm like, I want the people who also work at this company to read me and to feel like I'm critiquing the company and being harsh where I need to be. But also like, I care about this stuff and I'm not just like de facto slamming it, you know? Well, I think yeah, yeah, I was whatever. gonna say, I also think there's a very poor, like like one of the mistakes that reporters make in writing about Facebook is they conflate social problems and the impact that a company's technology has on society mm. with its business. And you've seen that happening with Joe Rogan now, you know, at Spotify. Mm. They're like, oh, you know, after Neil Young announced that he was going to be pulling his catalog from Spotify, its stock fell 10%. It's like, you fucking mm-hmm. idiots. That has nothing to that's do not with That's not the anything. reason the stock <laughs> fell. And then it yeah. came up the next day, like, for fuck's sake. That's the other thing is, like, my story is the reason Facebook declined 1%. Unless you got numbers that, like, a million 
you know, like hackers have destroyed like their infrastructure, like, and they haven't announced it yet. You're not moving the stock of a company that large. Like that's, right. that's another pet peeve I have anyway. Sorry. Right. Sorry. But, but also, you know, in the case of Facebook, I really think there were a lot of reporters who got, you know, high on their supply that because they wrote so many great pieces about their, you know, social infrastructure team or, or whatever, whatever you call it, you know, the problems that they've had in, in terms of moderating contents or, or name any Facebook scan of the last five years, that that was really going to hurt its business. And it's like, you know, there was also a, a long period of time that as a business reporter, you also could have explained, look, these guys are running up against a wall in terms of user growth, that, you know, Apple's privacy changes are going to hurt them. And you have done this. I'm not, I'm not blaming you specifically, yeah. but I think a mistake that tech reporters have made is as they've seen the influence that technology has had beyond just the industry itself, they've conflated that with the business. And you you mislead people in thinking that that is going to change uh, a, a that core aspect of, of their of their business. And again, you just do a disservice to readers. You can do both, but like explain to people that there's a huge difference between these types of stories. Well, it's also you just ignore the business. Like a lot of Facebook coverage just ignores the advertising business. Like I like how do they make money? Like what is their actual vulnerability and their weakness exactly? Like it's, it's people are so, I, this is, I think Facebook is a perfect example of, is like how as an industry, we kind of like can play to our peers more than we can to what I think an audience wants. And I honestly think a lot of the Joe Rogan coverage has gotten into this realm as well, where it's like, we love to like sit here and be like, are they a publisher? Are they a platform? Like, oh my God, Listen, I've been tweeting about this incessantly. So. <laughs> like, and Eric, like, I think that's an important debate for us to have in like the media. My, my job like, is pure insider, so I don't even have to yeah. pretend. And like, I don't even pretend to speak for this the This podcast is where that conversation <laughs> should be happening. But like, most people do not fucking care. And like, that is the reality. Most people do not actually think that like a lot of the things that we just assume that everyone feels about Facebook, like it's just, it's just like Facebook is seen very differently in other parts of the world. And so like, you can't ignore that. And I don't know. But the media I like succeeded. But- I mean, the, and politicians and like potentially deservedly in tarnishing Facebook's reputation. So, I mean, they have moved it. And I do want to serve it. I mean, there is an argument that like, if Mark Zuckerberg has done something beyond like forgiveness or is not the person to run the company or is causing sort of this global harm, which I think some people believe and there's like a credible argument for, I don't think it's like reasonable to just like stop hitting that drum because it's like exhausting to be negative. I don't know. That's sort of you the know, challenge no, journalists I'm talking face. About, I mean, no, I agree. I agree with you. I don't think that you should stop. I think it's like, I think a lot of the coverage has ignored everything else or not taken it seriously because right. it's, it's like having the only the thing. It's sort of like, okay, yeah. you need to represent this piece of it with this part of Yeah. I mean, it's hard let's be to- real. I mean, like we know it gets awards consideration. We know it like gets our pat on the back from our editor and our colleagues. And it's the, it's not the, like, it's not the stuff that isn't related to disinformation and fake news and these topics that we love to just act like have universal definitions, but don't. And yeah. So no, I mean, there's a lot of, I sound, I think I sound like an apologist for Facebook right now, but I think I'm more, I just want, I want like more balanced coverage in general. I think right. and I try to do that and I get slammed. Like I got slammed for the Zuck interview as it being soft and it being like, why don't you ask him about Haugen and the, the one who was about like, like the metaverse, the rebrand. Yeah. And like, what the fuck is he going to say? Like he, right. he literally, like he just said it on an earnings call. He just said that it doesn't make sense. Her claims, like he was very blunt, like way more blunt than like Tim Cook has ever been about anything. And like, what is he going to tell me in the 30 minutes I have with him to talk about like 
a massive like rebrand of one of the largest companies in the world. Like I'm going to go back three months to like Instagram for kids. Like, and like when he's already talked about it and he's, he's a CEO, he's not going to say anything new. And right. revelatory. Ben, ben Thompson has talked about this challenge. Some on his, uh, podcast or on dithering, I think. I mean, it, it is yeah. hard when you have these CEOs, you want to, you have to have a productive discourse. I mean, part of it is just, obviously I prefer a world where you could, it's more like a deposition. You have like three hours and you could really <laughs> like, that would be a just world where you're really, you know, it's not performative and you're trying to really go through yeah. the stuff. But given the reality that if it's like, yeah, especially 30 minutes, it is sort of like a performance and they're sort of kind setting of. the terms I mean, because, you know, it's so short. Um, like these interviews are all performances. Well, I also just have a fundamental, I have a fundamental disagreement. We talked about this in an earlier episode and Katie and I disagreed on this. I just don't, there's no magic, you know, elixir that a reporter has or like they're able to wave a wand that because they asked the right question at the right time, the earth, you know, shifted a couple <laughs> degrees off of its axis. Like we're all there to ask the right questions and hopefully get an answer from it. But the true impact comes from the stories that investigate things that the CEO, you know, right. isn't going to talk about. And so, right. you know, I do think we have an obligation and, you know, you can argue one way or the other, whether you wish you had asked, you know, something to Zuck that you didn't, you know, to ask a hard question. But fundamentally, you know, the real reporting that matters isn't going to come through that interview. It's, no, it is, it's, it's, it's performative. And so I, I feel for, and I, I haven't been in a situation like you have where, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to a high level CEO in a, in a, in an interview that's going to be scrutinized in that way. But I don't, I, I just don't blame the reporter in, in that particular case here. I think you can blame them if like the totality of their work of, you know, elides on huge problems and, yeah. uh, you know, purposefully chooses not to cover them because, they think it'll benefit their career long-term or something weird like that. But right. um, I just don't think that, yeah, the, the the core of reporting comes through the few times you get to interview the person in power. And I just, I, I try to remind myself, there are things that people care about that we don't always obsess with in the media. Like there's like that matter at a company that scale, like asking him, are you going to be CEO in five years? It's like stuff like that, that I did ask him, like is a little off the like, it's not Facebook files, but like it matters to like these kind of questions. Like if I get a chance to ask Zuckerberg some things, I want to also throw things in that like, not just the crowd that loves to eat up the, like Facebook is bad, no matter what stories we'll be interested in. Cause I'm trying to like reach a lot of people. Right. I mean, I've been on both sides of this argument. I mean, there is a degree to which if you're a reporter trying to hammer a narrative <laughs> like if you're if you're really trying to focus attention on your reporting and you feel like it it's reporting that if people paid attention to would have impact but it's hard to keep the attention there and the company is just doing everything they can to avoid it then you want to sort of have this sort of tight-knit network of reporters that can sort of force the conversation that you think is societally important and then it can be annoying when the company can try to find pockets to escape that. But of course, that sort of argument that I'm making is what the vast majority of the public and companies hate about reporters. The idea that there could be sort of control of the message to such a degree that you force man, it. If you want to, man, if you want to talk about control of the message, that, that is Apple. Like <laughs> Meta is actually, uh, it is one of the easiest companies to talk to and one of the most forthright I've found. And like Zuck actually 
actually subject. I thought the whole debate about like Zuck never does interviews with like, you know, so-and-so or he's not open and like available. He's, he does way more interviews with journalists than Tim Cook. Tim Cook sits down, he sits down with right. like a fucking YouTuber. That's right. like his press for the year totally. is to like be like, Apple here's the new iPad. Totally different totally different standard. standard and they're they're arguably way more influential and like important and so yeah no i i agree it's like the the standard thing is like very interesting it's like remember when jack win, dorsey like, was sitting down with like every third person that asked <laughs> that there was like a, a three or four month period where yeah, he was doing Joe like Rogan he would he would have appeared and, on yeah. like the 200th most important podcast yeah. yeah i've never interviewed jack have you guys no but he was sort of. I, I accosted like period, him at a. I accosted him at Sun Valley once. That period was a little <laughs> earlier, right? I mean, it was a little. I was still newish. I forget what years that. I mean, Aaron Zamos was like big on getting Jack super out there. I think for a period. Yeah, Jack's a fun one to interview. I feel like right now he'd be just like wild, like to I know. Talk to. No, like, exa- Jack, come on, yeah, that, yeah, you guys should get him on the show. Be, that would be, I mean, the whole, like, so everyone fighting with Andreessen Horowitz. You saw Chris <laughs> Dixon was going after Bobby Goodlatte, like, last night, just, like, egregiously. Oh. Anyway, not the biggest player in Silicon Valley. He's a sort of <laughs> Bitcoin investor, but it's just, I mean, I've long complained that these people aren't sort of confrontational enough and, like, like to keep all their fights in private. So I guess it's happy to see uh anyway yeah they're, they're all starting to fight with each other on twitter which but is it's on twitter so it's change. not real like if you right. t- take it to another venue and i'll 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 give it a little bit more time of day <laughs> for right now it just seems like entertainment to me. right it's petty they're not like writing like essays or like yeah and they're certainly not yeah i don't know uh, do you guys let, think if like we weren't on twitter all day like coverage of these companies would be way different oh I do. my god it's so i think it'd be so different yeah it's so ridiculous like it's such an echo chamber and it's just i for young reporters to like coming into like covering these companies they're looking at like more established people for cues of what to cover i mean i did this and like it just is this like feedback thing that never ends right i know Where we almost like, need the like stephen levy or like or like old Max, Max yeah. Chafkin or Brad Stone. I mean, just any of these where they like are almost like disconnected from the beat reporters and the beat reporters like myself would get all like pissed off that they're not like asking the questions that we're obsessed with of the moment. But they mm-hmm. like do the long interview. I mean, Matt, uh, Matt Honan would do these with Google sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like those types of stories, I think it's partially the companies haven't been cooperating because the media has been so negative. I don't so know. Hostile. Yeah, where have those stories gone? Or like, yeah, it is uh, interesting. They've mostly yeah disappeared. I mean, Levy had is you know had some access to Facebook for a while and had that book. And Mark's done some interviews. Wired Wired did a fairly long Zuck you know inside his world uh, during kind of the Cambridge Analytica scandal. The one where he's beat up on the cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. And, and uh, Fred, the Vogelstein. one that had all the comms department. But that was very yeah, like that reportery. That was very like interested in the things we we care about. Oh, that was that was a very specific source base. Yes. Um, <laughs> Wait, what's and uh, yeah, uh, no people know who talked in that story. Um, but that was also not Mark on the record, right? Like, you know, Mike Isaac's got his Facebook book coming out and he's working on, maybe he'll get some access. I don't know. Like, I think Mark is down to like talk to people, but it's like, I think a lot of the, the vibe is that a lot of the reporters who cover meta are like, just like by default confrontational, not even like, I think it's a difference between like uh, being quizzical and like uh, not assuming like something is, um, correct or has the right intentions and being like downright confrontational. And there's honestly some of that vibe in like people's are tweets. You, and are so, you, are you, do you consider yourself a view from nowhere 
reporter? I have, I don't know. I definitely have opinions, but I actually intentionally try to not fully form opinions. So like I, and like I'm more motivated by scoops and like uncovering things and not necessarily like connecting all the dots. And yeah. so I think I like to hide behind the reporting a little bit. Like I actually don't want you to know what I view of meta as like a net good or net bad. Cause I honestly don't know. And I think if you say, you know, uh, and you're a, an outsider, you're lying. Cause like you, like there's no way of knowing like at scale, like we don't have the data. So it's like, um, I don't know. Yeah. I try to like hide behind it. I think it works for like sourcing as well because, um, you know, like people at these companies, if they feel like you're at least like are willing to hear them out and not like assume they're evil, then, you know, they'll talk to you. So I, I think it's a more of a long-term view, honestly. Well, certain kind of sourcing, right? I mean, I think one of the advantages that reporters have when they're so outspoken about their personal beliefs is that you can cultivate a certain perspective. Yeah, you, from you the cultivate one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And Which is effective. And, 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 I mean, not to name names, but like you can definitely, you know, no, it's totally out, effective. Yeah, if you're yeah. out there just like constantly tweeting about how absurd something that Facebook has done is, <laughs> Well, it's like Ryan Mack going to war with like Tesla or whatever on, or on Facebook. Twitter. I right? mean, like yeah. it's it's intentional. And I, I and you Ryan's know, a great reporter. And he like, is great. I, I'm like, not saying like, it's I bad. No... It's just like a good strategy. If you know your side, they know your yeah. side, and then they go to you. I mean, people I mean, have like, their I, strategies. I don't know. And if I, I want to fight with them. We'll tweet about. Well, it's good you to know, get the show tweeted. I mean, about, I, but... it's good to. This is real shit that we're talking about. Like, yeah, I think it's good to have different strategies. And I may be a little old school. I don't know. Like, or to a lot of people nowadays, I may just be soft. But like, I, I think there's value in not everyone taking the same approach. And I think there's value in Ryan's approach. And I think there's value in mine. And like. I'm not saying theirs are bad. I'm just saying like, we need a mix. We don't need to all be doing the exact same fucking thing because like some people at big newspapers cover something a certain way. Like we right. need a mix of like approaches to reporting. Now, now we're back to, we spend too much time on Twitter. <laughs> I, by the way, believe I've been, I've been limiting my Twitter a little bit the last couple of weeks. I swear to God, sources, it's unrelated. I think there's something cosmic that happens when you lean back on like time spent on Twitter and like oh, sources wow. will call me back. Like, wow, they just know. They're like, this guy isn't tweeting. Yeah, I think it's like if anything was like some sort of indication from a higher power that I shouldn't spend as much time on here, mm -hmm. I literally have better days reporting in ways that have nothing to do with Twitter uh, when Let's I spend see, less time uh, on there. Robin Hood, uh, Twitter puts, okay, order. Um, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it, it is interesting that like, well, that's bigger if, experience. If my tweeting affects Twitter's stock, then uh, they have bigger problems. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Alex, this was great. Uh, thank you so much yeah, for joining. Yeah, this fun. Yeah. yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll do this again. Yeah. This is, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Goodbye. Silicon Valley. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.